Welcome back to the Durst Show. Well, a lot of things have happened since we last met. Uh, Donald Trump has predicted that uh, he will be arrested and indicted uh, tomorrow. I think that prediction is wrong. I don't think he'll be arrested and indicted tomorrow. And I think the reason he won't be arrested and indicted tomorrow is because he said he would be arrested and indicted tomorrow. And um, uh, D.A. Bragg won't won't give him a victory, won't allow him to uh, claim, see, I told you so. So I think he will be indicted, but I think he will be indicted in, in days or weeks to come. Uh, you've heard of self-fulfilling prophecies. This is a self-defeating prophecy. Um, you know, maybe he can use that as a tactic if he's not indicted on uh, Tuesday. He'll say, I'm going to get indicted on Wednesday. So then he won't be indicted on Wednesday. I'll be indicted on Thursday. It, that won't work for long. I do think he will be indicted. Um, and it will be an unrighteous indictment and a one that is not justified either by law, facts or legal ethics. Um, it's um, it's a, it's a scandal. It's a, it's a shame. Um, this is a case where the uh, uh, D.A. and the attorney general and others have said um, we're going to target Trump. We're going to get Trump, as as you probably know. I wrote a book by that name. It's called Get to Trump, and you can get it on Amazon, and uh, it's doing very well on Amazon. My timing couldn't have been better. People think I, the fix was in. I probably got bragged to do it. No, not, not so. Um, but um, he was targeted. Uh, in the normal situation, what happens is prosecutors uh, find the crime has been committed, and they look for who has committed it. Um, but not in this situation. In this situation, the prosecutors, uh, Letitia James of the Attorney General of New York, uh, Alvin Bragg, the DA of Manhattan, said, um, we have this guy. Uh, he's trying to run for election. We don't want him to win for re-election. So we're going to find something that we can pin on him. It was Justice Jackson, probably the greatest attorney general in modern history and one of the greatest justices, who said that any prosecutor can rummage through the hundreds of uh, statutes and find uh, some technical offense to pin on virtually uh, anybody. And he said that's wrong, that the job of criminal justice is to find out who committed crimes, not to find crimes against people who you think should be prosecuted. People say, well, there's a precedent. There's a precedent, Al Capone, and there is a precedent. In the Al Capone case, everybody knew he had committed murders and ordered murders. They couldn't get him on that because um, he was killing all the witnesses against him. So they looked for a crime, but they didn't have to look very hard. Uh, obviously, he made a lot of money and he paid no taxes on them. So they went after him on tax evasion, put him in jail, and he died in jail. But he committed tax evasion. They didn't have to search hard. They didn't have to create a new crime. Uh, in the case of Donald Trump, they have to create a new crime. Uh, the charges that are likely to be made, we haven't seen the indictment. No, I don't really have inside information. We haven't seen the indictment, but the press reports indicate that the following convoluted theory will be the basis for the indictment. He paid $130,000. We know that. We have the check. I paid $130,000 to Stormy Daniels in exchange for her promise of not disclosing uh, what she said was a consensual um, affair uh, that was adulterous. And, uh, okay, so that's the fact. That's the only fact. Then the prosecution will argue that 
he misreported that in his financials as a legal fee, but it wasn't. It was hush money. Hush money is perfectly legal. And that's, by the way, a misdemeanor, which nobody ever gets prosecuted for. And if they do, they get a slap on the wrist. But Bragg isn't satisfied. He has made many felonies that used to be felonies into misdemeanors, particularly when they involve a serious, serious crimes against people. So now what he wanted to do was turn a misdemeanor into a felony. How do you do that? How do you magically turn a misdemeanor into a felony, especially if the statute of limitations has probably already expired on both the misdemeanor and the felony? He couldn't find a, fe a state felony. Uh, searched hard, went all through the books, could not find a state felony. So we had to go and find, he thought, a federal felony. The federal felony is a campaign contribution. Did Trump make a campaign contribution to himself by paying her $130,000 or by having Cohen pay her $130,000 and then reimbursing Cohen? What a crazy theory. And the argument goes something like this. Well, he paid the $130,000 only to enhance his chances of running for president of the United States. Therefore, it was a campaign contribution. But of course, you have to psychoanalyze him to get to that conclusion. Uh, what were his motives? Why did he pay $130,000? There are so many possible reasons. He didn't want to get in trouble with his wife. Uh, you know, having an adulterous affair may not be illegal, but it's certainly not helpful to a marriage and not moral. He didn't want his kids to be embarrassed. Um, uh, he didn't want his business to suffer. Business would suffer if he were accused by a porn star of having a, a sleazy affair on one of his golf or on a golf course, um, a house in a golf course. Um, or he may have done it in part to increase his chances of winning for president. But to make it into a campaign contribution, you have to show that his primary motive was to help his campaign, not any of the others. That's not an easy point to make. Um, and um, you have to have proof of that beyond a reasonable doubt. Then you have to combine it with the misdemeanor of the records case and show that the reason that he engaged in fraudulent writing of records was precisely to cover up a federal crime. No, no, probably if he did it, it would be to cover up a state crime or to cover up no crime at all to just cover up the fact that he was paying hush money. You don't have to be motivated by a desire to cover up a non-existent federal crime when the most obvious motive is if you're paying hush money, it's hush money. You don't want it to be in the public record. So you put it down as a legal expense. Uh, that would make it a misdemeanor if that were true. But to make it into a felony is, is absurd. Um, you know, it was, um, it was uh, Thomas Jefferson, I've said this before, who, uh, in a wonderful uh, kind of illusion, factual uh, picture, he said, for a crime to be constitutional, the statute has to be so clear that a reasonable person can understand it if he reads it while running. So that's the, the image. You're running, you're holding a statute book, and you're reading the statute while running, and it's so clear that anybody could know that it's a crime. Well, I'm sitting, not running. And I've taught this stuff for over 50 years. And I have to tell you, I cannot understand that theory. I cannot understand how you can 
turn a state misdemeanor into a state felony by claiming that he did it to cover up a federal felony, which is now beyond the statute of limitations in any event. It was not behind the statute of limitations at the time. But remember, too, that federal prosecutors looked at this and they said, no, it's not. It's not a federal crime. It's not a campaign contribution crime. We tried that once with um, Edwards, with Senator Edwards, and, and we lost resoundingly. We're not going to bring this prosecution. And uh, Bragg's predecessor is DA of Manhattan, um, Vance. He looked at it. He said, no, I, I don't think it's a state violation. I'm not bringing that charge. So what Bragg does is he has a zero federal prosecution, a zero state prosecution, and zero plus zero equals 100. No, no, the one is missing. There are the two zeros, but the one's missing. What's the crime? Where's the beef? Months and months of investigation, months and months of giving immunity, months and months of searching statute, and they come up with a mouse named Mickey. It's a Mickey Mouse prosecution in 60 years of being involved as a criminal defense lawyer. I have never seen an indictment that's based on such stretching of the laws. Yeah, it's happened in the past. When I was younger, it happened during McCarthyism. They went after the people. They targeted them. They targeted gay people in those days. They targeted people of the left in those days. But primarily, my experience with this, I was a young man, but I remember it, was when segregationist sheriffs and segregationist prosecutors would go after civil rights workers. I went down south in the early 1960s, and I was warned. I was warned by people in the NAACP, don't even spit on the sidewalk. Don't throw a piece of chewing gum out. They're targeting you. They're looking for anything. If they can find you spitting on the sidewalk, they're going to sentence you to prison for that. They're looking at civil rights workers. They're saying, there's a kid from New York. Go after him. Find something on him. There's a kid from Harlem. Go after him. Find something on him. There's a woman from Philadelphia. You can find something. Look hard enough. That was the modus operandi in the South in the 1950s. And we civil libertarians objected to it. Where are the civil libertarians now? They're incognito. They're incommunicado. They're impossible. They're not saying anything negative about this prosecution. In fact, some are praising it. People who would condemn targeting of leftists, targeting of civil rights workers, are suddenly okay if the targeted person is Donald Trump. No, no, that's not the way our system works. As I've said before, the Torah, the Jewish Bible, has two rules for judges. One, the obvious one, don't take bribes. Bribes blind the eyes of even the just. That's easy, but that comes second. The first one is lo takir panim, do not recognize faces. Don't peek under the blindfold of justice. The blindfold of justice comes from this part of the Bible, of the Torah. And um, and can anybody in their right mind say that, uh, that, that Bragg is not recognizing faces, that he's not targeting Trump? He virtually admits it. Letitia James runs for office on the campaign. Get Trump. Where do you think I got the title of my book? I'm not that creative or imaginative. 
I got the title from Letitia James' campaign slogan. Her campaign slogan was, I will get Trump. And she tried. And she may still, civilly, but she handed over the criminal case largely to District Attorney Bragg with the message, essentially, get Trump, get Trump. And even though he has the weakest of all the four cases, there are four cases, as you know, four investigations, the Florida case, which will never go anywhere, the classified material, because if they're going to go after him, they're going to have to go after Biden, they have to go after Pence. It's not going anywhere. The January 6th case, the speech, I hated it. I thought it was wrong. It's constitutionally protected. The president said, I want you to go to the Capitol and demonstrate peacefully and patriotically. Those two words were left out of the January 6th rendition of the tape, which was doctored to eliminate those words. And then the Georgia case, where he is on tape, there's no doubt about it, saying, I have to find, find, F-I-N-D, find 13,000 votes. Now, what does find mean? Look it up in the dictionary. You don't find anything unless it's there. It has to be there. It has to be in existence. It's lost. So what he was saying to the Secretary of State is, there may be 13,000 votes out there that were cast for me that weren't counted. I want you to find them. He didn't say concoct them. He didn't say create them. He didn't say invent them. He said discover them, find them. Who knows what he really meant? But we know what he said. It's on tape. You can't prosecute somebody for saying something that's perfectly legal, but maybe thinking, aha, maybe, maybe. Who knows? That's not the basis for criminal prosecution. So there are four possible charges. The weakest one is the one that Bragg will indict him on because statute of limitations problems. You can't combine a federal and state statute to create a federal felony. Uh, there's no proof that the reason that he may have misidentified the payments as legal rather than as hush money, although hush money is often listed as a legal expense because you're doing it to avoid litigation. You're doing it to avoid a lawsuit. But let's assume that he did that and he's guilty of um, falsely stating that it was a legal expense. If you gave 10 reasons why he would have done that, it wouldn't even make the list to say he did it to cover up a campaign contribution. He never would have occurred to him. If he did it, he did it to cover up the fact that he paid hush money, that he had an affair, that he committed adultery. That's the obvious reason why a person would mislabel the payment. If you're paying hush money, you're not going to put in your records $130,000 paid to former uh, porn star as hush money to make her not say anything about an adulterous affair at a golf club. No, no, that's not the way people operate. You would say it's for legal. And the lawyer would probably say to you, well, you know, it's, it's, it's a close question. It is legal because it's designed to avoid a lawsuit. She was threatening to sue you. But, you know, it's also to avoid embarrassment uh, to your wife, to your family and uh, to your business. So uh, the idea that that's the motive behind why he mislabeled it, it no legitimate prosecutor would ever bring that case, nor would they bring the case saying that it was a campaign contribution because 
the purpose of the contribution was multifold to protect his business, to protect his marriage, to protect his family, and maybe also to help him get elected. Although it didn't seem to have hurt his electoral chances back in, in 2016. Remember, he was already on tape saying, I could kill somebody on Fifth Avenue and they'd still vote for me. I can grab the, I'm not going to use the word, but private parts of any woman and, and she would like it and wouldn't object. These are the things that cause me to vote against them and will cause me to vote against them uh, again. But they're not crimes. They're not the kind of stuff that people get prosecuted for. Does anybody out there believe if his name was not Donald Trump? And it's not because he's a former president. That's interesting. That's historical. It's because he's a potentially future president. The purpose behind this prosecution is to stop him from running for president and stop him from becoming president. Well, I have some bad news for the people who want to do that. I think you're enhancing his chances of running for president and getting the nomination and perhaps even winning. Uh, I don't think it's going to hurt his 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 chances of uh, becoming uh, elected. Uh, but boy, I have to tell you, when you start indicting people who are running for president, forget about the past, people who are trying to unseat the incumbent president, you're entering banana republic land. That's what they do in banana republics in some parts of South America, where one of the dictators said, for my friends, everything, for my enemies, the law. That's what they're doing. They're trying to use the law to prevent Donald Trump from successfully running for president. Well, I have some bad news for you guys. He can run for president if he's indicted, if he's convicted, if he's sentenced, and if he's in prison. There's nothing in the Constitution. The Constitution only requires that he be 35. He's 35. That he didn't fight for the South in the Civil War, that he's lived in America for 14 years. And then there's the last one. That's the only questionable one. He has to have been born in the United States. Now, let's remember that, according to Trump, Obama was not born in the United States. But we know Obama was born on an island off the United States called Hawaii. So was Trump. He was born on an island off the United States called Long Island. He was born, I think, in Jamaica Hospital in Queens, not part of the mainland of the United States. I know. I live on the East River. I see Long Island outside my window. I don't want to sound like Sarah Palin, but I see Long Island outside my window. And I know it's not part of the continental United States. All right. It's a joke. Obviously, Trump was born in the United States. But so was Obama. I have to tell you something else that I don't think Trump knows. It doesn't matter where Obama was born. If he was born in Kenya, if he was born on the moon, he'd still be eligible to run because he's a natural born citizen. His mother was a citizen. And that means he doesn't have to be naturalized. And if you don't have to be naturalized, you're a natural born citizen under the Constitution. So it really doesn't matter where either Donald Trump or Barack Obama were, were born. Uh, that was a myth that was perpetrated by Donald Trump and other extremists in the Republican Party. It never made any sense at all. Look, part of me wishes that uh, Barack Obama had been born on the moon. I wish I hadn't voted for him the second time around. I thought his second term 
was a disaster for America, a disaster for world peace, a disaster for foreign policy, a disaster for Israel, a disaster for democracies. I should have voted for Romney. I made a mistake. Pardon me. I, excuse me. Uh, wouldn't have made a difference, my vote. But, uh, but uh, Mitt Romney would have been a better president, second term president. Proud of my vote for him the first term. I met him in the Oval Office during the first term, um, was in the White House on numerous occasions uh, during the first term and in the second term. But I wish I hadn't voted for him the second term. All right. That's called a diversion. Here we're talking about Donald Trump. So, hey, A, he will be indicted. B, it's very possible that he might be convicted by an old blue um, New York uh, jury. Uh, New York is very heavily anti-Trump New York City. Um, it's also possible the charges will be dismissed because the case makes no sense. There's the statute of limitations issue. There's the combination of the statutes. So it may be dismissed. But if it doesn't, he may be convicted. But it'll be reversed on appeal. The question is when? Um, by the time it's reversed on appeal, it'll be the eve of the uh, election. We're now uh, almost on April 1st, and we have to get to November 1st in a year. You know, April, May, June, July, February, you know, June, July, August, September, October. We're in November. So it's a little over a year and, and a half. Um, and it takes that long for a criminal trial to go from arrest to uh, reversal of conviction. So you know, we may be voting as the courts overturn the conviction. Uh, not a good thing for America. Not a good thing for New York. A good thing for uh, D.A. Bragg. It will help him get money from George Soros. It will help him get money from left-wing, woke, radical Democrats. Um, after all, he has two things that going for him. One, he's changing real felonies into misdemeanors when it comes to predatory crime. And then he's changing misdemeanors into felonies when it comes to get Trump. That will probably help him in his election. Will it help Trump? It may. It may help Trump. What will it hurt? It will hurt the rule of law. It will hurt precedent. It will mean that every time somebody is running for election, whether for DA or for president, um, his opponent, if they're the incumbent, will find crimes against them. It will become the newest way of trying to win an election. It will divide the country even more. And that's the last thing we need is a more divided uh, country. And, um, you know, we should learn the lesson of Israel. They indicted um, uh, Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu, and it divided the country horribly also for crimes that, in my view, uh, were not real uh, crimes justifying prosecution of either a sitting, a former or a future uh, prime minister and Israel is borrowing some of our worst um, uh, issues and, and we are borrowing some of theirs. And so I'm hoping that maybe we can persuade Bragg. I mean, one of the reasons I, I wrote this book, Get Trump, one of the reasons is I want people to protest, but not in the streets violently or anything like that. To me, obviously it's self-serving, but I think it's right. Buy my book, make it into a bestseller. And that will send a message to brag. Wow. Look, there are a lot of people who disagree with the get Trump mentality, because if you buy get Trump, it means you're not in favor of getting Trump. So please, you know, buy it. I'm going to contribute the proceeds, as I always do, to charity. So this is not about me getting rich. It's about me getting 
to say what I think is the right thing as a liberal Democrat who wants to vote against Trump, who wants to get Trump myself out of office, but not through any improper means, please buy Get Trump and you can get it on Amazon. It's been moving up the charts very nicely. So I would appreciate if you did that. And, um, and, and, and send a message. Send a message to Bragg and other prosecutors. People out there are watching. People out there are listening. People out there care. And you're not going to just have no accountability. You know, I write for history. Um, I do think that 50 years from now, people look back at these events. They will ask, where are all the civil libertarians? Where are the liberals? They're nowhere to be seen. I'm proud of standing up for my principles, of stating in the same breath, I'm not going to vote for him, but I'm going to defend his right not to be unfairly treated by the legal system. So I hope you will agree with me. So let's look at some letters now. Um, here's a letter. Professor Dershowitz, thank you for your informative podcast. If possible, can you please do an entire episode on Professor Wax's controversial comments, whether or not Amy, Mac, Amy Wax means well or whether or not her comments are truly racist. Wax clearly uh, resorts to harmful stereotypes and her comments are offensive to many reasonable people. Does her university have an obligation to provide her with a platform to express the views the university community deems offensive? It's a really, really good and difficult question. I have debated Amy Wax. I think she may have been a student. Um, um, I don't know her. I don't agree with almost anything she says. I do not believe that there are um, uh, inherent differences in intelligence or, or between people based on race. I do not believe that. And if, if you believe it, someday go down to Washington Square Park in New York and watch all these young kids who are the chess champions. They do quick chess, you know, fast chess on a clock. Almost all of them are young African-American men. Brilliant, brilliant. They're beating masters, chess masters. They're fantastic. You know, give them opportunities. Uh, teach them at an early stage, and you will find that they will compete with you if you're white. Um, so I don't, I don't agree with much of what uh, Professor Wax says, but she has tenure. And I think it would do a great deal of harm to take her tenure away because we disagree with her, and I fundamentally disagree with her. And I agree that what she says is sometimes offensive. I don't agree that she's using the university platform. There, I think you can set some limits. You can say not in the classroom, um, and she hasn't done it in the classroom as far as I know. You can say don't use University of Pennsylvania tag when you're making speeches. I try my best not to do that. People say you're a Harvard professor, et cetera. I can't help that, but when I sign my briefs, it's always just with my name and my address. Uh, I don't use the Harvard affiliation because I don't want to take advantage of that. And I don't want to be held responsible um, by Harvard for things that I say, because although I've never said anything anywhere like what Amy Wax has said, I've made controversial statements in my lifetime and uh, Harvard University should not be held responsible for those statements. Okay. You fight bad ideas with good ideas. You do not cancel. This is a dumb strategy because cancellation will come for you. It already has. I have been canceled repeatedly by Jewish institutions like the Ramaz uh, High School, uh, Temple Emanuel in New York, the 92nd Street Y. And I've been canceled by universities uh, because I stand by my principles. And I'm going to continue to stand by my principles. And I'm going to continue not to cancel other people. 
Instead, I'm going to debate other people. I'm going to take you on on the merits. I'm going to whip your rear intellectually, I hope, um, but I'm not, going to, I'm not going to cancel you. I highly doubt that the Guild, the National Lawyers Guild, is behind these events, that is the Stanford events. Why would they associate themselves with these events if there weren't cause or purpose? Well, there is cause or purpose. They want to silence opposing points of view, conservative points of view. And there's no doubt that the local chapter of the National Lawyers Guild proudly organized this. They said it. Um, they were the ones who wrote the letters to the dean. They were the ones who praised every single Stanford student. So let's not try to protect the National Lawyers Guild. They are not a civil liberties organization. They are an organization of woke, uh, hopefully, uh, they claim progressive, I think regressive, um, lawyers, jailhouse lawyers, legal workers, etc., that have done some good over the years, but uh, a great deal of harm as well. Um, do you have a First Amendment right to speak anonymously? It's a great case. Um, when I was a, a editor-in-chief of the Yale Law Journal back in the 19... 19- early 60s, I edited a piece on the right of anonymous speech. And that's a a very hard question. Generally, the answer is yes. Should it be? Should you not be held responsible for your comments? I think reasonable people could disagree. The Supreme Court so far has seemed to rule in favor of anonymous speech because during the civil rights period, people wanted to see the names of civil rights workers so they could fire them or discriminate against them. But it's not clear jurisprudentially how far that that right goes. Hey, Professor Dershowitz, you need a haircut. All right. All right. I probably do. I'm down in Florida and I have my favorite barber, Emanuel, uh, up in uh, New York City. And I always wait to get my hair cut by my favorite uh, barber. There's not much left, you know, but whatever I have, I enjoy. It's turning grayer by the day. But I will get a haircut, I promise. My wife says the same thing. She likes me with short hair. Okay. Keep voting Democrat, Dersh. That very act alone erases all of your wisdom and good intentions. Look, I don't always vote Democrat. I would not vote for Bernie Sanders. I would not vote for Elizabeth Warren. I would certainly not vote for Ilan Omer or many, many other Democrats, but I will vote and I would vote. And I proudly voted for Joe Biden, who I think is a decent man. Is he flawless? Of course not. Does he have a son with problems? Yeah. Um, uh, Is he the best possible president we could have? No. Um, Is he better than the alternative? If I didn't think so, I would not have voted for him. So I'm going to continue to vote for whoever is the best candidate. It will mostly be Democrats because I support a lot of the Democratic platform, the woman's right to choose, um, gay rights, environmental control, reasonable gun control. I'm a Democrat. I'm a liberal. I'm a real liberal. I believe in free speech and open debate. So, yes, I'm going to continue to vote Democrat most of the time, but not all of the time. And so I will See you tomorrow. We'll see. By tomorrow, we'll know whether Trump was indicted uh, tomorrow. And so um, I will apologize if I'm wrong. But I think the answer to that is going to be not tomorrow. See you tomorrow.